and welcome to Make It Green Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for an Earth-Friendly Life. I was watching the first presidential debate of 2008, and it hit me that energy figures prominently in both candidates' buzzword vocabulary. Just over half of the electricity generated in America comes from fossil fuels, meaning coal, oil, and natural gas. Only 19% of our national energy budget comes from nuclear power. In a time that we're trying to wean ourselves off fossil fuels, avoiding nuclear power is the energy equivalent of the pre-Christmas crash diet without the soda pop. The quick and dirty tip for today is that if we're to create a sustainable energy economy, we must invest in nuclear energy now. Nuclear power is proven technology. France gets 76% of its electricity from nuclear fission. The nuclear power industry is far more mature than any of the other alternative energies, except maybe hydropower from dammed rivers. With solar, wind, biomass, and geothermal still in the cradle, we need to spend our time and money on something we know how to do. Nuclear energy is the bridge between the industrial-aged fossil-fueled economy and a sustainable renewable one. Cleaner fossil fuels are also a long way off, too. Clean coal is a term used to describe taking the carbon dioxide emissions from a coal power plant and sequestering them in some remote place. Carbon sequestration is only a budding technology, and we're nowhere near ready to install scrubbers on the thousands of coal-fired power plants across the country. At the current stage, we don't even know if the carbon dioxide will stay in timeout or just leak away to suffocate us later. Uranium mining involves many familiar evils. Toxic mine tailings, open pit mining, degradation of the landscape, and danger to mine workers. But most uranium now mined in the U.S. is recovered in situ, which literally dissolves the ore that is then sucked to the surface, an incredibly expensive process. By comparison, coal is mined using open cuts and mountaintop removal, which destroy entire ecosystems that were carefully assembled by nature over geologic timescales, millions of years. Not only that, but it takes 3,200,000 tons of coal to run a 1,000-megawatt plant for a year. It only takes 27 tons of uranium to generate that same 1,000-megawatt year. Uranium is found in the U.S., but nowhere near as plentiful as our nation's coal reserves. Our estimated reserve of uranium ore is some 890 million pounds. Reactors in the U.S. are currently using 53 million pounds a year, but less than 10% of it is domestically produced. A lot of fuel also comes from the conversion of fissile material, stuff that's suitable for power plants, that once lay in nuclear bombs. Plus, if we're to recycle the waste, we could drastically cut the need for new uranium. We already have one of the world's five uranium processing facilities, too, so the infrastructure already exists. We don't need to build expensive offshore drilling platforms or develop techniques for squeezing gasoline from oil shale. Nuclear power begins in the fuel rods. Uranium is bombarded with small energetic particles which excite the uranium so much that it tears itself apart into fragments. This process is called nuclear fission because at the end you have totally new atoms, their nuclei mixed up, split, and rearranged. Fission produces heat, so the essential part of a fission power plant is a steam turbine engine, the same as a coal-fired boiler. The water in contact with the fuel rods is cycled through heat exchangers to heat steam to turn a turbine and do mechanical work, which is then converted into amazingly cheap electrical energy. One and three quarters cents per kilowatt hour on average, compared with two and a half cents for a kilowatt hour of coal and 30 cents for solar. When you put a price tag on carbon dioxide emissions, or when you internalize the negative externality of those emissions, coal is left far behind. 
Since nothing is being burned, there are no carbon dioxide emissions to regulate, no mercury emissions falling into our rivers and oceans to poison us through the fish, and no sulfur or nitrous oxide emissions to cause acid rain and damage the U.S. soil. Safety concerns begin with memories of the 1979 Three Mile Island, where poor engineering controls and operator error combined to create a near disaster, and the 1986 Chernobyl accident, where mismanagement caused a global catastrophe that confirmed our worst fears. Incidentally, both of these accidents were caused by coolant failures, not a nuclear meltdown. Now. Every nuclear power plant is equipped with extensive engineering and managerial safety controls. Each and every plant has a so-called red phone that connects directly to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission engineer, 24 hours a day, and plant operators are given far more extensive training. In the end, all of our electricity generation systems have ways of killing us. The chances of nuclear meltdown causing fallout to spread across the nation is a remote chance with today's technology. There is a 100% chance that coal-fired power plants using today's technology are slowly killing us with mercury in our fish, acid rain on our soils, and ozone, NOx, and particulates in our lungs. After uranium fuel rods have been cooking for about two years, they're removed and put into highly secured storage on site at the power plant. The spent fuel rods contain all those daughter species produced during the reactions, which are radioactive, each in their own way. Some are very hot, which means they produce copious energetic radiation. Some products have an extremely long half-life, which is the time it takes for half of the radioactivity to go away. For example, it takes 24,000 years for half of the plutonium-239 produced by nuclear fission of the original uranium-235 to decay away. That's just half. Imagine how long it takes for the radiation to drop to safe levels. The most unattractive thing about the nuclear industry is this waste stream. On-site storage is filling up fast, as the U.S. produces some 2,000 tons of radioactive waste each year. The U.S. government has permitted deep geologic disposal for these high-level wastes at Yucca Mountain in my home state of Nevada. But by the time Yucca Mountain opens its doors, we will already have produced more waste than Yucca's 70,000-ton capacity. Further study of the site suggests it wasn't as stable as we thought either. There is a way out. Spent fuel is not really spent. It still contains 99% of the nuclear energy of the virgin fuel, energy we can harvest by technological means that are proven in countries like France, the UK, Japan, and India. If we recycle this waste, we could produce far less waste in forms that are less radioactive and have shorter half-lives. We would not need to mine new uranium for centuries. In that time, we could be finding even better ways to reprocess fuel and plan the eventual retirement of the transitional nuclear economy. President Reagan lifted the ban on reprocessing in 1981. Fear of nuclear proliferation, which is when materials for bomb making get into the hands of people who mean to use them as weapons of mass destruction, is the emotional issue keeping us from taking the final step of investing in fuel reprocessing centers. First-generation fission products are easy to make into a nuclear weapon, but is it safer then to hoard the precious deadly substance to attempt to transport it securely across thousands of miles from plant to repository in the face of global terror to allow it to live on for thousands of years, waiting for someone to dig it up? Sounds like an easy question to me. I'd rather use the stuff and get some energy that was once called too cheap to meter. It'll take many years for us to develop truly renewable, sustainable energy. Nuclear power is not itself considered renewable, 
but it is a long-term solution to our resource woes because it gives us the time we need to create safe, renewable, sustainable energy solutions our society needs to get off oil. Let's invest in it before everyone who ever knew anything about nuclear power plants retires and dies. Thanks all for joining me for another episode of Make It Green Girls: Quick and Dirty Tips for an Earth-Friendly Life. Don't worry. Those of you waiting for the composting episode will be rewarded soon. In the meantime, you can find a transcript of this show at quickanddirtytips.com. Send your questions and comments to greengirl at quickanddirtytips.com or leave me a voicemail at 206-600-3051. <laughs>